Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. And you are listening to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at WERU.org. It's just about one minute before 4 o'clock. Stay tuned for Main Currents with your host, Amy Brown. And this is Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, January 11th, 2017. I'm Amy Brown. Martin Luther King Day is just a few days away, and it's clear that the spirit of political dissent and nonviolent civil disobedience is alive and well. On today's show, we'll be following up with two of the members of the Zumwalt 12 who were arrested protesting at BIW last year. They're getting ready to head to court in a few weeks. We'll hear more about that later. We'll also talk with some of the organizers of the upcoming youth and nonviolence workshops that will be taking place at the Maine Discovery Museum soon. And we'll be talking with some of the women involved in organizing local groups to attend the Women's March in Washington the day after the inauguration. And to set the stage for that, we're joined by Eliza Townsend, the executive director of the Maine Women's Lobby and the Maine Women's Policy Center. She represented part of Portland in the Maine House of Representatives for eight years and then moved into the nonprofit sector when she became the first executive director of the Maine League of Conservation Voters and Maine Conservation Voters Education Fund. During Eliza's tenure, the Conservation Voters convened the Environmental Priorities Coalition, comprising two dozen diverse groups that agree to and advocate for a common legislative agenda. Eliza left the Conservation Voters when she joined the Maine Department of Conservation, where she served first as Deputy Commissioner and then later as Commissioner. She joined the Maine Women's Lobby and the Maine Policies, Women's Policy Center in 2011. Welcome to Maine Currents, Eliza. Well, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? And I should say, actually, welcome back, because you've been here. You've been on Main Currents before. Yes. We're glad you could join us again. Yeah. And I'm going to just let listeners know that we only have you with us for a brief time, so I'm going to open the phone lines during this uh, first 10, 15 minutes while we have you with us. So at any point while Eliza is um, speaking with us, if you have a question for her about women's policy issues, feel free to call in. The number is 469-0500. 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. But during this segment, we'll only be taking calls if you have questions or comments for Eliza about women's policy issues. Uh, Eliza, I've talked with you before and I've heard you speak at events. And uh, you seem to be one of the people who is best positioned to give an overview of policy issues affecting women's lives, especially here in Maine. What do you think are some of the top issues that maybe mobilizing so many thousands of women to take to the streets in D.C. uh, from across the country the day after the inauguration of this upcoming Women's March on Washington? Well, I think there there are two issues. And one is, in terms of policy, people are, women especially, are just well aware that the current Congress uh, is not advocating for us, is not looking out for us. I think women are particularly pinched by the economic inequality that is happening in our country right now. It's women, by and large, who are working in low-income jobs, lacking benefits, struggling to get by and to support their families. So that's one set of issues. 
people who are struggling struggling for health care and seeing the possibility that the health care that they now have um, may be lost. Um, and then on the other side of the issues, the, the, the ledger, it seems to me it's a visceral reaction to the election of someone who has been so contemptuous of women, who has made it clear over and over again that he only sees women as valuable as sex objects, who went so far as to brag about grabbing women by their genitals and getting away with it because he was famous, who said during the campaign that women who have abortions should be punished, but then when he was asked whether the men who helped get get them pregnant um, should be punished, he said, no, of course not. So there's, I think it's um, it's about policy, and it's also... A, a, a sense that, holy cow, this just can't really be happening, can it? <laughs> so it does seem like it's mobilizing a lot of people to either become more active, active again, or some becoming active for the first time. Do you have any advice as someone who's kind of working in this all the time for different ways that people can plug in? And maybe you can tie into that some of the issues, some of the work that you're doing with the organization that you're involved with. Sure. There's a role for each one of us, I would advise to um, give yourself, think a little bit about what are the issues that really make you motivated to act and and dig in and work on those. Find find like-minded people, find the organizations that are working on them and can offer you expertise and opportunity. Um, We're finding that we're having a lot of interest in training in just Advocacy 101, as we call it, how to be effective, how to speak to your legislators, how to get information. Um, And then uh, one of the ways that we, of course, would want to encourage your listeners to, uh, to get informed is to follow us on our Action Alert system, our Facebook page. We find that that's a really good way to keep our supporters informed about what's taking place both at the state house and at the federal level. And um, we promise not to overdo it, but we're able to give you up-to-date calls to action uh, so that you're t- really targeting. I think the struggle for all of us in uh, this new environment is knowing where to put our time and our energy at any given moment. Hmm. And one of my fears, you know, one of my worries is that people um, – might burn out too quickly. (laughs) So I want to encourage everybody to be ready to not only get engaged now, but to stay engaged, because that's the key to success. We have to be engaged over the long haul. Right. And not only the fear of burning out, but there's also the issue of people thinking that they need to plug in one way when naturally for them, they're better suited to plug in a different way. Exactly. And, you know, we we should not hesitate, um, but... I think that one of the, the things that we see is people think, well, I'm not an expert. And we know as women that sometimes we can be self-deprecating and um, hesitate to raise our, our voices because we're not an expert on the subject. We're all <laughs> experts on our own lives. We have personal experiences to share, and we should speak up about what we're concerned about. The last time I heard you speak was back in the fall, 
and you and a few other people were on a panel. One of the things that you were talking about was a concern about the Supreme Court. If you had to rank the issues and policy concerns that are that are going to impact women's lives, do you have any sense of how you would rank which is most important and where the uh, the composure of the Supreme Court falls in that? I would say that the composure of the Supreme Court and all of the courts is right up there at the top because uh, people who, candidates, uh, office holders have a term limit, but federal court appointments are lifetime appointments. Once you become a federal judge, you're there for life, and that means there's the potential for a federal court judge to impact public policy and impact our lives for decades. Um, and now the, the Supreme Court obviously is is the Supreme Court, but the number of cases that they decide is actually relatively small compared to the lower courts. So we're very concerned about the vacancy on the Supreme Court. We're also interested in the lower courts as well. Can you mentioned you have action alerts coming out of the. Uh, uh, Maine Women's Lobby and, and or the Maine Women's Policy Center. I, I think probably it's the Policy Center that does action alerts. Is that right? Um, well, uh, there it's been the lobby, actually. Oh, okay. So what would be like a, a recent one? What kinds of things would people be getting action alerts about if they plugged into your system there? We are currently encouraging our supporters to speak up and raise their voice around the nomination of Jeff Sessions to be Attorney General. He has a long record of votes and uh, words that are hostile to women, um, including having voted against the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, having voted against the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. He said that the Roe versus Wade decision, which established that access to abortion is a right, was colossally erroneous. Um, and then I think among the most troubling things to me was that uh, when Donald Trump was caught on tape bragging about sexual assault, um, grabbing women by their genitals, Jeff Session was, was asked if it was sexual assault, and he said he didn't know. And then he went on to say, everybody knows that Donald J. Trump love, likes women. So... Um, I don't have confidence, we don't have confidence that he is going to protect the rights of all Americans. Right. So he's implying that that behavior is liking women? I, apparently. Is that, is that how you guys greet each other over at WERU? <laughs> <laughs> it's not how we do it. Right. You know, I don't know anybody who, who is a civilized individual who thinks that that's acceptable behavior. Right. Well, before we let you go, do you have any uh, thoughts that you want to share for women who are listening in our area? Um, To reinforce that you have the ability, um, in fact, in these times, uh, the power of individual constituents to raise their voice to contact both their state and federal representatives is the most important power we have. And never hesitate to speak up about what you are concerned about, uh, particularly to share your own personal experiences and stories about the way public policy impacts you. So if, if you are able to receive health care because of the Affordable Care Act, um, speak up. Let your federal officials 
know that. Um, and, and the same for your local officials. There are going to be many, many decisions made over the next six months and coming years that impact our lives. And you do have power. So speaking up matters. All right. And what is your website or what's the best way for people to contact you? It's mainwomen.org. It's very straightforward. All right. That's easy one to remember. That is. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. That was Eliza Townsend, the executive director of the Maine Women's Lobby and the Maine Women's Policy Center. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. As we shift gear into our next few segments, we're not going to be able to take calls as we'll be using the phone lines to connect with our next guests. But we'll open them again later in the show, so listen, I'll give out the phone number later on. As many listeners are no doubt aware, a Women's March on Washington will be taking place on January 21st, the day after the inauguration. The mission statement on the organizer's website, which is womensmarch.com, reads, quote, The rhetoric of the past election cycle has insulted, demonized, and threatened many of us, immigrants of all statuses, Muslims, and those of diverse religious faiths, people who identify as LGBTQIA, Native people, black and brown people, people with disabilities, survivors of sexual assault, and our communities are hurting and scared. We are confronted with the question of how to move forward in the face of national and international concern and fear. In the spirit of democracy and honoring the champions of human rights, dignity, justice, who have come before us, we join in the diversity to show we join in diversity to show our presence in numbers too great to ignore. The Women's March on Washington will send a bold message to our new government on their first day in office and to the world that women's rights are human rights. We stand together, recognizing that defending the most marginalized among, among us is defending all of us. We support the advocacy and resistance movements that reflect our multiple and intersecting identities. We call on all defenders of human rights to join us. This march is the first step towards unifying our communities, grounded in new relationships to create change from the grassroots level up. We will not rest until women have parity and equity at all levels of leadership in society. We will work peacefully while recognizing that there is no true peace without justice and equity for all. Hear our voice, end quote. Next, we're going to hear from some of the local women who've been involved in organizing groups to attend the Women's March in Washington. Uh, up first, we have Genevieve Morgan. She is the Maine State Chair for the Women's March and a liaison with the National Organizers. Welcome to Maine Currents, Genevieve. Hi, Amy. Thanks, WERU, for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. From what I can gather on social media and through uh, Google News Alerts, this march is going to be very well attended. So uh, do you have a sense of how many people from Maine may be planning to attend? Yes, we are... Uh, estimating anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 folks from Maine are mobilizing to go down to D.C. We have 1,200 people coming down on buses alone, and then we have at least as many driving, taking the train, plane, carpooling, renting vans. Um, we have a whole cross-section. We've organized 11 different regional hubs from Caribou out to Freiburg, all the way to Rockport, and down to York. Um, through a team of really incredible people who stepped up in the early days when this march was just an idea that was happening and signed on and have organized groups within their communities. Um, and so 
they've been able to get the word out and really plan something that usually takes years to plan. Um, down in D.C., I think that the national organizers are expecting anywhere from 250,000 to half a million people. Wow, wow. Yeah, it does seem like just the popularity of it online just gives an indication of how many people are, are planning to be there. So we have a little bit of a buzzing on the line, so we're going to turn you uh, turn the volume down intermittently when, we're, when you're not speaking. Oh, is that, uh, is that maybe I'm on my cell phone? So no, no, it's something on our end. It was happening this morning, too, so I apologize to okay, listeners no for problem. that. I'm not sure what, exactly what's causing it. So how and why did you get involved in being one of the organizers of this? Well, I, um, I woke up on November 9th, as many people did, and... Um, I felt like I, I, I can't describe it, but I guess it might be the opposite of what I felt in 2008. And um, mostly it was a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation and a lot of discomfort with the divisiveness of the campaign, the, uh, the kind of lack of clarity that was being put forth by the incoming administration, and also the appointments and the um, clear hate speech and racism and um, anti-reproductive rights, anti-equality rights that were coming, that was coming out just right right after, almost, I mean, all through the election, but then it just seemed to gain steam. And um, I was on social media and I saw this post about, let's march on Washington, and it turned out to be the post that this grandmother from Hawaii had sent out to her about 40 of her friends on the night of the election. By the time she woke up, um, 10,000 people had replied to her, and I maybe was one of them. Um, and some more professional organizers started to step in and and try to raffle this this clear and growing upswing and upswell of, of people who wanted to do something to show that there are actually many, many, many people in, in this country who don't agree with a lot of the stances that the incoming administration is putting forth and saying, oh, the Amer- that we're doing this for the people. Well, actually, there are many, many, many people who don't agree with going back to a, a socially conservative agenda that takes us back to you know, pre-Depression era. Um, I think I heard a number of people in talking about this say, everyone's saying about making America great again, but making America great again for who? Because it seems to be that this new administration wants to make America great again for a very few number of people. And there's a lot of us out there who are very scared and intimidated and feel like um, our voices could get lost. And so we are going to Washington to represent, I mean, there's 250 to half a million of us, but that represents millions and millions and millions and millions more um, who are also marching in their own cities. The Women's March has now become a global movement. There are over 22 countries who are joining us. And here in Maine, we have a sister march happening in Augusta, for those of you who can't get down to D.C., at the same time in the, uh, marching on the State House in Augusta. So we are here to take up space and say, no, you know, we're, this is our country, too. I think I just saw recently, I don't know how many people are signed up for it, but I think there may be something happening in Portland as well. Uh, so it sounds... It sounds like uh, the the time for getting on a bus is pretty much past. Those things are pretty full. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't describe how phenomenal this has been. I mean, it's it, it, the the part of the reason why. I mean, we've been hearing from a lot of people, and if we could go out and get more buses right now, or we or skedaddle or rally, some of these crowdfunded companies could find more buses. We would, 
but there's been such a demand all up and down the East Coast that we were getting warnings of actually running out of physical buses three weeks ago. So we have been working day and night with the bus companies to try to get as many people on as many buses leaving Maine as possible. And right now, like I said, we have I think we have 22 buses leaving the state, and that's all we're going to get. We, we can't get any more physical buses. Um, we were very lucky to get a donation from Stan and Anna Clark um, of $20,000 to help marchers come down who otherwise couldn't afford to come down to the march. So we've been able to mobilize a couple hundred more people um, who really wanted to go but who couldn't afford to buy a bus ticket. And so we're really, really excited and so indebted to that brother and sister team for what they've done. And there have been a number of other people who have made contributions because they couldn't march, and we're using them to try to get to rent vans and get people down there. At this point now, we're relying on carpooling. Is there a place, a central location where people can plug in if they uh, do need assistance or if they're still looking for, trying to find a way to yes. get down there? Yes. Um, we have a, a main and centered website called, it's www.mainmarch.com. And if you go there and you, there, you have, there's a menu where, with event details on the top, you can read all about specifics about the day. But the most important thing is to push the Join Us button, and there you will register, and you'll be asked if you need scholarships, um, what kind of assistance you might need. Um, at this point, getting a bus seat, the best thing to do is to join Facebook and go on our Ticket and Rideshare page, which where people whose plans are changing at the last minute are putting their tickets up for sale at discount. And it is happening. I saw two or three come up today. So if you're dying to go to D.C., we'd love to have you. There's still ways to get down there. Um, you just have to be a little more inventive. We're only nine days out, so. Um, but but don't don't feel like just because you don't have a seat right now, you might not get one. Um, contact us, write us on the website, let us know you really want to come, and we are working really hard to get everybody who wants to go down there. All right, and people who are traveling on their own but want to hook up with the main contingent once they get down there, that information about where the buses will be or where you'll be meeting is available on that page as well. Yes, I want to give one caveat to people who are self-driving and getting down there that there are different, the mall will be blocked off to vehicles, and uh, because it is Inauguration Weekend, there might be some street blockages or, you know, bleachers piled up in areas, so we're doing the best we possibly can, not knowing the lay of the land, to ha create a meeting spot for marchers, for Maine people between 7.30 and 9 a.m., you can read about that all on the website. Um, and then we'll start moving to the rally site, which is Independence and Third Southwest as a group. There will be a main state flag. Every state has a flag at the rally site. So if you can get to the rally by 10 a.m., you'll find us under the main state flag. And the main contingent is wearing blaze orange. And we are wearing blaze orange. Um, you can come decked out in your full glory, or you can just have an accent. It's up to you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time, Genevieve. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully that sound goes away. We appreciate that. It was Genevieve Morgan, one of the organizers from Bangor. And next we're going to be talking with Suzanne Mooreshead, another person who's been involved with the Bangor group organizing this event. And hopefully Suzanne won't have that noise in the background. Welcome, Suzanne. I am here. Oh, yeah. You're going to stay with us for the rest of the hour now because you have the best phone connection we've heard all day. <laughs> So you've been involved with this as well in all the planning and the work that goes into this. Why, what motivated you to put your time and energy into this event? A lot of 
the reasons that I became involved are very similar to what Genevieve um, mentioned as well. It was basically waking up after the election and looking at the reality of how our world may be changing over the course of the next four years. Um, the outcome of the election, you know, was certainly not the outcome that I would have liked, um, and it obviously wasn't the same outcome that more than half the electorate wanted. Um, however, it is what it is. But I'm really more concerned about what it means for our country going forward because it was such a divisive election season and there was so much hate speak throughout it. Um, there was such an, a dismissiveness of pretty much every women's issue, gender issue, race and religion that I just couldn't accept. I can accept the fact that we now have a new president coming in, but I can't accept what it's done to the country. And I don't want him to think that he, that there's a free pass to our new government that, you know, basically says, yes, you won, but now we're going to go away and we'll just quietly go away. So I want him to, you know, my reasoning for getting involved was just so that, you know, I can join everybody else so that he knows that he will be watched. We are paying attention. Um, so that was really kind of why I got involved in it. Is there a big group from Bangor working on this? And how long have, have you all been working on putting this together? Our, we started um, right at the very beginning of this. In fact, I heard about this on November 14th, which was the Monday after the election. A colleague of mine mentioned it to me, and we both got involved at that point. And there's probably... 50 or 60 people in the Bangor area that are very active in making sure that everything gets done, that we, um, in fact, we're going to have a sign painting um, meeting next this coming weekend um, and kind of go over all those final details. Um, Is that something that listeners who are in the area could plug into if they're interested? Absolutely. Um, all of the local hubs throughout the state have their own Facebook page. But the meeting that we're going to have um, is going to be at the Peace and Justice Center, which is at 96 Harlow Street, Suite 100. And it's from 1 to 3. You can just drop in, um, meet some of the other people that will be going to um, the march, um, spend a little bit of time kind of just getting to know everybody and also getting the details of where we're meeting and if anything should change between now and then. That's on Saturday or Sunday? That is on Sunday. Sorry, Sunday, okay. That. So that's uh, taking place this coming Sunday. So you've been involved with a lot of different people who are working on this. And do you get a sense that there's a range of different reasons why people are attending? Absolutely. Um, it is, you know, what was really kind of striking to me is the group of people involved crosses all socioeconomic lines. They represent a mix of almost every educational background, religious background, gender background. There's um, men that are coming to the march with us. So the reasons they're coming are all a little bit different, but basically it's a common thread that we all want to make sure that everybody in the government knows that they are working for us and we are paying attention and we are watching. So that was, you know, to me, what I thought was kind of, you know, for as divisive an election season, all of these different groups, we've all kind of come together and unified 
and we're all working together for a common goal. So maybe as diverse as the election made America look, we're probably not nearly as diverse when you come right down to it. Hmm. Anything else you want to add? Anything you want to let our listeners know before we let you go? Um, we would just love to have everybody there. Um, and if you can't be there, please, you know, come and spare it. Um, I know the main March website is still, um, if you want to donate, um, if you can't go, but you'd like some to help somebody else get down to DC, I know they're taking donations. Right. So, That's me, march.com or .org? .com? Um, .org. Okay. All right. So me and March. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Suzanne. All right. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Uh, Suzanne Morshead, she's working with the Bangor Group. And now we move to Belfast, where we'll be talking with Nicole Luttrell, who is has been involved with the group there who are planning to go down. Welcome to Main Currents, Nicole. Thanks, Amy. So what's happening with the Belfast Group? What have you all been working on? Well, I am not an organizer of the Belfast group. Um, I am a participant, um, but basically, um, as the previous speakers uh, have said, you know, there's just a lot of mobilizing and organizing happening here in Belfast to get people to the march. And, and you have buses that are leaving from Belfast as well, but I assume those are also full? We do not have buses leaving from Belfast. Oh, okay. They're actually leaving from Rockport, and they are full. So um, as Genevieve said, you know, different people are um, offering up tickets, selling their tickets. So people can go. There's a, there's a separate Belfast group from the Bangor group on Facebook, so people can plug in there if they want to find out about Correct. the buses leaving from the Mid-Coast area. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been asking everyone else, what are your motivations for doing this? You're going to go down on your own, you said, we, when we were in contact earlier. So, yeah, I mean, this is an investment in time and energy. Why are you so motivated? Because I have to. Because I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a feminist, I am a survivor of sexual assault, and I'm an educator. And this is the way that change is going to happen. I take great inspiration and cues from our history, from women marching in the past all the way back to 1913, marching on Washington right around the same day um, as this march is taking place. And this is the way that it happens, with mass groups of people coming together and using our voices, using our bodies, and getting heard, getting heard, and making it known to our representatives and the incoming administration that we are here, they do work for us, and we are not going to we are not going to um, accept many of the stances and policies that are being proposed. Hmm. Anything else you want to add, Nicole? I am just um, really excited about this. Um, I have extra room in my car if, if somebody else wants to go. Um, and um, I'm just, I'm really excited and uh I think it's going to be one of the events um, I know of um, of my lifetime, and um, I I just 
I can't wait to march. I can't wait to be down there. Is there a way that you uh, can tell people over the air to get in touch with you, or do you want to send me um, you know, something you privately? Me, you could find me on Facebook, and I'm also a filmmaker, Woman in the Moon Films, so people could go to my website and get my contact information, but um, I'm on Facebook, Nicole Latrell. All right. Woman in the Moon Films is your website? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for covering this, Amy. That was... And- no- and for all the great work that you do. Thank, Thank you. you. You too. That was Nicole uh, Luttrell. She is uh, one of the people from Belfast who's planning to attend the Women's March in Washington, D.C. the day after the inauguration. And you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm your host, Amy Brown. We've been talking with some of the organizers of just a few of the main groups that are planning to send contingents down to the march. And again, that's taking place on January 21st, the day after the inauguration. I'll be traveling to D.C. next week, actually a few days before that, to get down there in time to cover the protests at the inauguration as well, along with Meredith DeFrancesco, who hosts Radioactive here, and Lawrence Reichert, a freelance journalist and columnist for the Republican Journal. And we're hoping to connect with as many of you from Maine as possible while we're down there. We want to try to find all those people in Blaze Orange and plug in and do interviews with you. We'll be posting live Facebook videos on the WERU Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook and you aren't already haven't already liked the WERU page, go ahead and do that, and then you'll get alerts whenever we're able to do a live video from there. We'll be recording audio as well, of course. But you can also reach us while we're down there via email, news at WERU.org. You can reach me or Meredith or Lawrence that way. And uh, if you see... If you don't want to be interviewed, but you just see some news that you want to make us aware of, you can contact us that way as well. So again, that's news at WERU.org. Coming up next, we have Umbreen Rana, Peyton Amaro, and Annabelle Osborne. Umbreen is the Youth Outreach Coordinator of the Healthy Equity Alliance, also known as HEAL. That's an agency that empowers marginalized communities to combat stigma and Realize Health Justice was established in 1987. The Health Equity Alliance envisions a world in which all people are valued and celebrated and health disparities such as HIV, hepatitis C, and AIDS-related deaths are non-existent. Annabelle is in her freshman year of college, and Peyton is currently wrapping up high school, and they are both members of HEAL's LGBTQ plus youth group that meets in Bangor. It's a weekly program that empowers lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth in rural Maine. And the three of them are organizers of the youth and nonviolence workshops that will will be taking place at the Discovery Museum in Bangor on MLK Day. I think we've got all three of them in one spot sharing a phone right now. Uh, And I know they have information to share, so I'm going to turn it over to them and whichever of them. Who do we have on first? Hi, Amy. This is Umbreen. Welcome, Umbreen. So I'm going to just turn it over to you, and uh, you can pass the phone and say which ever piece of this uh, information about this upcoming event that each of you want to tell us about. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy. So um, along with the Peace and Justice Center of Eastern Maine, um, we at HEAL are collaborating with a few other organizations in the area and putting on these youth and nonviolence workshops. These are youth-led and youth-organized workshops that are aiming to make the world more socially conscious. Um, we want to help the community foster peace and nonviolence because it's a personal value that all of these organizations care about. 
Um, we want to let everyone know that it's free and open to um, everyone, and um, there are even going to be activities for young, um, young children, um, as well as a hangout room for, for people that need a little break, and there's going to be interactive art. Um, I'm going to pass it on to Peyton and Annabelle so they can talk about our, our workshop and a few others. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Ambreen. Hi, this is uh, Peyton, and um, our workshop is focusing on the intersection of violence, uh, oppression, actually, um, and uh, we split it into some uh, sections, so I'll be talking about one topic and Annabelle will talk about another. I'm talking about gender, and um, in my section of the presentation, I will be talking about uh, the murder rates of trans people, non-binary genders, cis people who take uh, trans roles in movies and TV shows, uh, and the history of trans people. Um, and there will also be interactive activities to do uh, that we have planned. So that's a workshop that you're going to be leading? Yes. Wow, great. And I don't know if you've mentioned it. This is on actually MLK Day. This is on Monday, right? Yep. And it's uh, what time? One to four. Yep. Okay. Um, but our our workshop is at one thirty. Okay. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow there. It's all right. So who do, do we? Uh, were were you finished or? Uh... I just have a couple more things to talk about. Okay, um, go ahead. So we'll be talking a bit of sexuality, uh, more specifically, um, asexuality, um, and how it's kind of discriminated against in the queer community. And uh, disability, I'll be talking about mental illness, but specifically psychosis disorders, autism, and trigger warnings. And I will be focusing on race and sexuality specifically. Is this Annabelle now? Yes, I'm sorry, I didn't introduce myself. Go ahead. But I will be talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the increase in hate crimes since the Trump election, um, and talking about the alt-right movement and uh, our place of privilege uh, as white people. And I will also be talking about uh, sexuality, about elitism in the queer community, um, about the conversion therapy, and uh, sexual orientation, romantic orientation. And we will have an activity dealing with privilege and also an activity dealing with non-binary genders to work on what Peyton was talking about. Uh, these sound like workshops that anybody of all ages could benefit from. Are you hoping to primarily have youth there so it's more of like a safe space for younger people, or how is it structured? Um, we are hoping that people of all ages are able to be there. Um, I'm trying. We're trying to see the topics somewhat age-appropriate for younger kids, uh, but we also want to make sure that it's not just exclusively catering towards them. We have uh, topics that are a little bit heavier, but um, generally just everyone's invited. Yeah, we don't want to uh, whitewash it, so it is definitely um, uh, inclusive and friendly towards younger people, I would say, like preteens. Um, it might be a little too sensitive for younger kids, but I, I would also personally like to have some older people and educate them and so they can be kinder towards uh, the youths in their lives. Uh, sounds like a, a really great thing you're all working on. Is there a place online that people can get the details and specifics? Absolutely. You can actually find our event on Facebook, and you can just look up Youth and Nonviolence Workshops. Um, it's, um, the Facebook event will be under the Peace and Justice Center. And again, so that's on Martin Luther King Day, January 16th from 1 to 4 at the Maine Discovery Museum. 
All right. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for having us. That was Umbreen Rana, Peyton Amaro, and Annabelle Osborne, three of the organizers of the Youth and Nonviolent Workshops. Nonviolence Workshops will be taking place at the Maine Discovery Museum on MLK Day. So that was a lot of people to pack in in 40 minutes. And through it all, I've had two guests here in the studio very quietly and patiently awaiting. Uh, the last but definitely not least, we have two of the Zumwalt 12 here with us in the studio Dud Hendrick and Russell Ray, welcome to Maine Currents. Thank you, Amy. It's good Thanks. to be here. So I heard you guys are in trouble with the law. Yeah, once again, I think for probably just about all of us, <clears throat> we're, uh, we are a diverse group of, of uh, 12 citizens who, uh, to a person, are very engaged. We're diverse in that uh, among our number are longtime activists, but uh, we have artists and sculptors and architects and social workers and nurses and former coaches, and three or four of us are, uh, are veterans, our former veterans, and uh, all, each of those are members of Veterans for Peace. Um, we were arrested on June 18th down at Bath when we objected to one more so-called christening or launching uh, of uh, another warship. I'm going to go ahead and just let listeners know that we'll open the phone lines at this point. I'm going to continue talking with Dud and Russell about uh, exactly what they did. and But we want to uh, open it not only for your questions for them, but also any comments that you have related to any of the previous callers that we had and the topics that we've touched on. We've kind of come together with a theme today that wasn't actually intentional, just sort of when we put together all the pieces, realized we're talking a lot about uh, political dissent and uh, civil disobedience, although that's a term that Dud wants to talk about a little bit as we get further into this discussion and maybe change the wording of that. So any comments or questions, the phone lines are open now if you want to join us. We're on until 5, so don't wait too long. The number is 469 locally or one 625-9378. So what is the Zumwalt, and why were you guys at BIW, and what were you protesting it? Well, the Zumwalt is a... This is Russell Ray. ...is a um, very high-tech stealth destroyer. It's a new generation of Navy destroyer, and it is a very expensive boat. <laughs> um, they have made three... The BIW has made three of these ships so far, and it's cost over $21 billion. That's billion with a B. For all three of them? For three ships. So, yeah. So like $7 billion a piece? That's right. Didn't they have some mechanical problems with one of them, too, shortly after it? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So the, why? The, the first, this first Zumwalt, which was the Zumwalt, um, broke down several times, including going through the Pan Panama Canal, I believe. It needed to be towed. Yeah, so they've had a number of, of breakdowns. I assume you're, you're, uh, part of your concern about this and the reason that you were protesting is maybe because of the way the taxpayers' money is being spent. Is another part of it how these ships are used, what they're made for? Absolutely. Yeah, I think they're <clears throat> we're disturbed for many reasons across the board. Uh, one of them being is that we do think that it's a terrible misuse of resources and we're anxious to, uh, through our protests, our presence at Bath Ironworks, and, and this campaign has been going on for years, going back to the, the Berrigan Brothers protests back in the so-called plow plowshares uh, uh, demonstrations in the 80s. 
um, in opposition to warships and our expenditures on more and more so-called defense. Um, it's it's curious that uh, that we are manufacturing these ships that we are calling a part of our defense program when in fact we're sending these ships on into the world's waters. Uh, the Zumwalt destroyers, the Zumwalt specifically, was headed to the uh, Asia, Asian Pacific, and uh, it's rather difficult to make the argument that uh, positioning our ships broadly about the planet uh, is in any way advancing the interests of our defense. Let's take a break there and take a call. Uh, go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. What's oh, your first hi. name and where uh, are you calling my from? My name is Ian. I am calling from Canada. Ian? Yes. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, great program. Thanks. I, I guess I would just start out by saying that I have a ton of respect for the um, the Veterans for Peace. Um, I think that's a really incredible thing that you guys are doing, and also for everyone that is uh, participating in political dissent. Um, I think that's great. But I also kind of question the <clears throat> effectiveness of a protest, and I wonder if there isn't a better manner of dissent, such as, like, actually disrupting the business interests or the banks, like having mass people going in and applying for loans at every bank that may be, you know, supporting fossil fuels or, or you know, in a way actually disrupting and actually costing money and time to these businesses. Um, I just wonder if that might not be a more effective manner of protest. Right, right, um, different tactics. Yeah, it's a good yeah. a good point to bring up how do people choose the tactics, and it might even be, uh, th thanks for your call, Ian, that sure, might even you. be th it might even be a topic for another show at some point is to talk about effectiveness and how people uh, select different uh, tactics. But what do, you, what, do you all have a comment about that? Uh, yeah, I would say this. Ian, thanks for calling in, uh, that there, there certainly are opportunities for us to get engaged in um, demonstrations or in opposition to governmental policies, and there's a call for us all to be out there, whatever front might uh, turn us on. Um, I mentioned earlier that this is a diverse group, and it so happened to be a group that was willing to to take the protest to that level on this particular day. So I feel that in any way we can advance uh, the awareness of these issues, uh, we're doing uh, uh, the cause uh, a service. So we're hopeful that, in fact, taking this issue all the way to trial, which we fully intend to do at this point, uh, that we are, in fact, educating more more people, more citizens just through that process. Oh, we have another call. Uh, go ahead, caller. What's your first name and where are you calling uh, from? Uh, Judith from Rockland. Hi, Judith. Hi, Amy. Uh, I, I, um, I have a couple of things to add to uh, uh, the uh, part of the uh, hour about <clears throat> the march. Uh, first, first of all, as, as a veteran of some of these kinds of things, the People's Climate March and the Occupy Movement, I want to remind everyone that solidarity is the key word. Stay together, <clears throat> stand together, sing together, everything. I also want to bring out that it's very likely that the organizers who cannot keep up with the numbers will have vastly underestimated, and this will be an enormous march. And the blaze orange is terrific. Now, one more thing. <clears throat> uh, the solidarity is because we are all at great risk. We have had a coup d'etat. And <clears throat> that's another story for another day. But women and men, please, men 
very much included people of all spectrums of race and color and gender and uh, levels in society who want to go. Uh, an organizer whose name I, I want to bring up and give contact information for, for Rockland, not Camden Rockport, but Rockland. Rockland is going to stand up and get as many people on the buses down to Washington as well. Uh, her name is Kim Bernard, <clears throat> and I will give you her email address over the over the. If I may, is that okay? Uh, have you asked Kim? Oh, it's okay. Oh, yes, yes, she just called. If uh, she's okay with it, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <clears throat> it's info at k i m b e r n a r d dot com, and <clears throat> Kim will be. Um, I, mean, I haven't proposed it yet, but I think she will be on air at 5 o'clock on our little local community radio station, um, WRFR, <clears throat> next week at 5 o'clock. That's the plan. It's all coming together very rapidly. So uh, there's nothing more important now than these mass demonstrations and mass, building a mass movement. Uh, that's the only way we are going to overcome it really is at that point thanks amy thank Bye. you for your call judith again the phone number is four six nine zero five hundred. we're talking now with uh dud hendrick and russell ray two of one-sixth of the zumwalt 12 and uh if you're hearing noises in the background i think we have a squirrel in the ceiling that's about to jump through one of the air vents on top of us that's what that banging is in the background so if you hear us all scream and the radio goes dead that's what happened um you have a court date coming up real soon we do, yes. We're due to go before the judge at Sagadahawk County outside of Bath on February 1st. The anticipation is that the trial could last three days, but we don't expect it to go that long. And speaking of solidarity, we'd be very excited to see supporters uh, mm-hmm. and uh, friends and curious uh, uh, citizens supporting us on that day. Uh, the trial is due to begin at 8.30 in the morning of the of the 1st. If you're in the Bath area, or even if you're not, come on down and stand with us just to demonstrate to the jury there that uh, this is an issue that has struck a chord with uh, you and many others in the state. So what exactly is this your... Uh, is it a trial? Is there going to be a jury there? Or is there just a judge? Or how, what is the court date going to be like? Well, it is a jury trial. And uh, I'm not exactly sure how the how it's going to go. Um, You're all being tried to, together. Yeah. Are you all being charged with the same thing? And what? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, only 11 of the 12 were able to take it to trial. One of our members, George Austinson, uh, who is a longtime organizer for the protests at Bath, uh, going back to when the Berrigan brothers did protest through the Plowshares uh, protest or demonstration, uh, George has had to uh, accept the state's offer to pay a con- or make a contribution to United Way because of health issues. So he's not going to be able to take this to trial. But universally, we were all anxious to do so, just again, because of the educational opportunities it offers and because we are, to a person, feeling that this is a moral imperative, that uh, that we be able to make our case before a jury and in the process educate that, that jury. The state did offer each of us the opportunity to pay $140 in lieu of uh, taking it to trial, uh, for which they would for then drop the charges. Uh, we deliberated great length. We understand this is an inconvenience for causing people. It will be a cost to the state. But we believe strongly that 
we uh, that this is an issue again that ought to be brought to the public's attention. It serves us all to, uh, for us to be doing so. So, is your defense sort of a preventing greater harm defense, or how? Do, what are you planning on? Well, well, in part, it certainly is that we do see it as a moral imperative. We believe that. Uh, the offense that we committed on the day of the of June 18th, when we obstructed uh, a right away, a public right away outside the Bath Ironworks, uh, pales in comparison to the offense that our country is committing through our militarism, through our imperialism, through the waste of resources, through our uh, refusal to commit resources to uh, other than uh, building this military and serving. Uh, the military-industrial complex in doing so. We have other responsibilities virtually to the planet, about which I know uh, Russell will be very anxious to, to, to talk a little bit yeah, about. Yeah, Russell, you're uh, nodding. Sure. What would you like to add to that? Well, I mean, one thing Doug didn't mention was environmental consequences of, of our Navy, um, and they're huge. And this Zumwalt, this very Zumwalt that we were protesting the christening of um, is has is equipped with sonar and it will be using its sonar. And as I've said on previous um, talks with the station, that that sonar has a lot of imp- it has major impacts for marine life. And so right, that was, that's that was a particular concern that was of one yours, of my right? particular reasons for. I mean, there's there's so many good reasons why we were all there, and I think many of them are overlapping. But that was. One of the big ones for me was um, Navy sonar, and and the, and it's not just the sonar. Actually, they the Navy tests with explosives, uh, causing a lot of harm to marine life. There, the can you say a little bit for people who didn't hear last time? I know Carolyn produced a program. It's on our archives if people want to listen to it. But how the sonar affects marine life for anyone who isn't aware? Sure, it it. Um, for animals that are impacted at greater distances, it can. Um, disrupt important behaviors such as uh, communication and feeding, breeding, migration. Um, It raises stress levels in animals. Um, Those who are impacted at closer range, and and when when I say close, it's not, it's, it's, um, that can be quite a distance. Like tens of miles away, animals have been killed, have been injured and killed by by Navy sonar. Um, so there's there's many impacts. Yeah. So before I, I want to make sure that we have a chance to at least briefly as we're winding down here, talk about because I mentioned it earlier, your uh, wanting to reword nonviolent civil disobedience instead and, and give that a different name. Can you talk about that real quick? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for giving the opportunity to do so. Uh, Francis Boyle is a scholar and a, a legal uh, expert on this very issue, that is uh, nonviolent protest of governmental policies. Um, and he stresses the importance of arguing that this was a case of civil resistance, not civil disobedience, and that we feel that it is just for us to be standing in objection to crimes that are far greater than, uh, for instance, obstructing traffic on a public right-of-way. So we would argue that rather than disobeying disobeying, uh, sanctions or uh, disobeying uh, legislated uh, uh, regulations, that we are in fact acting as responsible citizens by bringing the uh, 
the violations of our government to the attention of the general public. So we're saying it's civil resistance, not civil disobedience. Would you both do it again? Absolutely. No question whatsoever. Right. We've done it in the past, and we will continue to do it. Yeah, I've, I've seen yet a few of these things over the years. It's interesting because I, I, year, 10 years ago or so, we were uh, talking about these things as related to the war in Iraq <clears throat> and the faulty intelligence that you all were trying to make sure people were aware of that no one listened to at the time. So um, it continues. Yeah, Any last that, thoughts? That was uh, a wonderful experience for all of us who were involved in the incident that you're referring to, Amy. I think it was in 2006 in which uh, uh, 12 Bangor citizens were arrested for, our main citizens were arrested for occupying one of Susan Collins's offices, the one in, the one in Bangor. Uh, we were arrested, taken to trial. Six of us did stand trial. And again, on that occasion, as we will be doing on February 1st, some of us represented ourselves. We'll be doing that uh, with the exception of one of our defendants on the first, uh, that is, ex representing ourselves. And we were found innocent, and we were... Uh, uh, our testimony was attributed uh, or did attribute uh, to the education of the jury members. They all uh, uh, mentioned to us at the conclusion of the trial. They awarded us the compliment that we had uh, educated them more about the war and our occupation of Iraq than any uh, of the preceding uh, evidence uh, had contributed. And if only the senators had listened to you. So we're just about out of time. Do you want to wrap up by giving the information about the trial again for anyone who may be interested in coming in uh, solidarity? Sure. It's it's um, February 1st um, through the 3rd, although, like Doug said, I think it probably won't take three days. It might, it'll probably take two days. And we, we invite everybody to come out to show support at the courthouse. And, and that's in Bath, right, in downtown Bath? in Bath. Yes, there'll be, uh, I think, lots of information circulated uh, here through WERU and other uh, outlets through the course of the, of the uh, couple of weeks between now and the 1st of February. All right. Do you have contact information where people can get in touch with you if they want more information, or do you have any website or... No website, but you could contact uh, me, Dud Hendrick, uh, through Veterans for Peace. You can go to our Veterans for Peace website, and you'll find information, more information about the trial there. And you can contact me, Russell, at 7 Coast, 7 the number coast, um, at roadrunner.com. All right. Any final thoughts before we finish up? Well, in a sense, um, it's going to be interesting trial, and I think all of us, the most important part of it is doing what we did and trying to get the, uh, aware, bring awareness to the issue to as many people as possible. And whether we're convicted or found, uh, found not guilty, it in a sense doesn't really matter, although it would be very nice if, if the jury, if we were able to convince the jury that we had uh, reasonable, and that's the key word here, I think. Um, the, the law is written so that it's reasonable. All right. We're out of Reasons. time at yeah, that okay. point. So, yeah, thank you both. Appreciate you both being here. That was uh, 
uh, Dud Hendrick and Russell Ray. They are two of the Zumwalt 12. And you've been listening to Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Joel Mann engineered today's program. Main Currents will not air next week because, as I said earlier, we'll be headed to D.C. along with Meredith DeFrancesco, host of Radioactive, and Republican Journal columnist Lawrence Reichert. We plan to cover the protests at the inauguration as well as the Women's March. And you can reach us while we're down there at news at weru.org. We'd love to interview you, and we'd also love it if you would share any information about things that are happening around where you are things we should know about again news at weru.org keep it tuned here we've got democracy now coming up next and larry's in the house to bring you jazz straight ahead here on your community radio station weru fm 89.9 blue hill 99.9 bangor and streaming online at weru.org and thank you joel man for filling in and engineering today Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farmers.